Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. With filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. My name is Chris. With me, as always, is Parker and Alex. And we watch Kandahar. A movie that will be on streaming by the time you hear this. Isn't it probably it's already out on streaming? Like, well, I was gonna say I that's wish. like that's like not as good of a bit as it should be because everything's on streaming in three weeks. Yeah. But but also, I sure wish it had. Yeah. been. dude, I had to pay fifteen I spent the entire for this. afternoon. Mass refreshing, like IP torrents. Like, please, someone <laughs> upload a camera. If I'm begging you. They're not playing this at Alamo. I don't want to go to Cinemark. Please, I think it's kind of fucked up that they didn't show at the Alamo because I think the Alamo had a huge like standee of one of those like big cardboard things like come see Kanahar. It was either that or Sisu and I forget which is which. So uh, that's a movie we might have to have a conversation about very soon from the things that I am hearing. All right. <laughs> well, before we have that conversation, uh, Parker, do we have any news? Well, you know, every week we talk about the future of the Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> and how we're now looking at uh, Fast 11 and Fast 12. Yeah. Uh, good news. Uh, franchise showrunner and executive producer Vin Diesel has an idea for a spinoff afterwards. Oh. Guys, get oh, this. Oh, boy. What if after this, the 12 movie saga concludes, what if we have a spinoff that's just about the Toretto family? <laughs> Can can it can there be a time jump where we get Vin Diesel and old man makeup and Little D playing Little D? <laughs> well, you really just want to fuck up Josh's day, you know don't what? You? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just a regular size B. What the fuck? No, no, Little oh, actually, he the whole time. <laughs> Got him. You're welcome, Josh. So yeah, uh, the movies are still great. Parker, the hits speaking of great movies. Did you hear about the yeah. Little Mermaid remake? Did you hear that it's two hours and 15 minutes? Did you hear that Aquafina raps? I, that, you have that, to put like, a gun to my head. <laughs> I would have seen it had I not gained that knowledge. Not because I want to, but just because it's playing in IMAX and everything's dope in IMAX and sometimes you're just bored at 10.30 on Thursday night. But, uh... Yeah, the second I found out that Aquafina plays a rapping seagull, I was like, there's negative chance that I will ever see this. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, there is some major news. Uh, some very sad news, unfortunately. The music industry lost one of the most important contributors ever. Uh, we've all heard the news, and obviously we're all fans, uh, but it's time to say goodbye. It's time to say goodbye to Chaz Newby, the one-time bassist for the Beatles. You may be thinking to yourself, well, he's not John, Paul, George, or whoever the drummer was. Well, so no, he was actually one of their bassists, and he played back in, like, 1960 in a few gigs. And I guess they told him, uh, I might you know good enough, and he had to fuck off. And then he became a high school math teacher. 
So, in a way, he was still involved with children, because children are the only people who listen to the Beatles still. And uh, I think it's important that we recognize this man and his contributions. Now, I looked it up on IMDb. It turns out he wasn't in any movies or anything. So, there's probably not a tremendous reason to mention him on a movie podcast. But, uh, you know, maybe one of the documentaries they'll talk about will be like, Oh, I always remember my good friend Chaz. I think a 21 gun salute is. Fucking. <laughs> so much louder than you think it is. Yeah, it's. <laughs> the cannons are a little bit closer to. Uh... Joe, do you hear that? <laughs> That's not safe. This is the same sound you that played in Kandahar with the highway. <laughs> it's always like. I don't know if I mix it like where all the cannons are like louder progressive. Alright, was that five or six? I lost count. Yeah, we better start okay, over. Man, you're laughing now, but a week from now when you're listening, you'll be like, what the fuck? Why do I? I'm cutting this. A week from yeah. now? <laughs> Alright, so the music industry is going to turn it around. No. Okay, so, yeah, he's uh, dead. Who cares? Uh, let's get into our jerks of the week. Uh, Parker, would you like to go first? Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. I had a different one, but my jerk of the week is not my dog, because I can't find it, but it's reeks of piss where I'm sitting, and I'm losing my mind. It keeps hitting in waves, because I have the fan on, because it's fucking 90 degrees outside, and I'll just be sitting here taking a drink, and it's just a hot, misty piss vapor hits me, and I'm over it. I've looked high and low. There are no goddamn stains or wet spots. What is this? I cannot do this for two hours while I talk about Kandahar. <laughs> I'm fucking going crazy. That's somehow one of the best jerks of the week we've ever had. It smells like it'll go away. You're like, oh, okay, I guess I'm just going crazy. And then just right into your face the second uh, I go to take a drink. I really hope one of our listeners right now is hearing this and smiling, knowing that they are actually the pisser and the dog is being set up. Oh, yeah, a little piss scribbling in there. God damn it, dude. I can't do this. This is where I sleep, you little fucker. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's the dog's territory now. Uh, Alex, go ahead, because uh, my George Wee ties She's in for a surprise. <laughs> Alright, uh, Chris, I'm going to need you to cue up the, uh, the can of music okay. again. Because uh, my jerk of the week is the Miami Heat of Miami, Florida. <laughs> Guys, it's just not fair what they did. Don't they know that this is supposed to be Boston's year? Don't they know all the offensive talent the Celtics have? All their shot creators, such as... It's just, it's disgusting. It I can't Marcus believe Martin that they would... <laughs> Marcus <Martin>. <laughs> <laughs> Such as Matt Damon. <laughs> I, uh... I, I will say though, uh, it, it it pained me to watch our poor Celtics lose after uh, I turned on the stream and I heard shipping up to Boston playing over the PA. I'm like, wow, it would be heartbreaking if they lost after hearing this song. They were probably like down by 20 at the time. I, I think I think once they were down <laughs> no, by like 13, I was like, fuck this, I'm gonna go watch Kandahar. It was definitely before the game started because I only had the stream on for like four minutes before I saw Jason Tatum's ankle go sideways, and I'm like, "Oh, cool! The Heat are winning!" Well, bang! Tatum cuts the lead to 19. (laughs) I think that's how much they lost. That Heat dick. It's a nice little punctuation there. 
play of this, I just imagine Fat Bastard playing the bagpipes. <laughs> I mean, who else could you possibly He imagine? was devastated at the <laughs> Game 7. Alright, uh, my jerk of the week ties into something I've been watching. Uh, so on HBO Max, oh, sorry, Max, they have uh, Looney Tunes on there, and I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, that's some good background noise while I'm uh, working. <laughs> now, HBO wonder, Max is Max is yeah. dead. <laughs> I wonder sorry, what Looney Tunes you were just drawn to well, organically. Well, now here's the thing. <laughs> well, first of all, uh, the Looney Tunes things are like kind of great because they're like, each one is like six to eight minutes long, so it's pretty easily digestible. And uh, Looney Tunes is uh, the, I mean, the really classic stuff. I don't know. I haven't seen the new Looney Tunes show or whatever. The one that's got, um... It's got, like, Kirsten, Kristen Wiig as uh, Lola or something. Anyway, I, I heard it was fine. Um... Uh, I, uh... I like the original stuff because it's really impressive just how well animated it was, considering how small their studio was and just how cheap they had to be. At the time, I think Disney was spending, like, $50,000 on each animated short, whereas, uh... Leon Schlesinger was spending like 20000 and uh, Looney Tunes was a lot more impressive than Disney was. So there's definitely some value there, and I've always been interested in, like, I, like I've said about a whole bunch of other stuff with film, how film develops over time, no pun intended, seeing how uh, not just, like, codes change, but how, like, our morals change, how we tell stories changes, how acting changes over time. And uh, as such, I wanted to watch the really, really old Looney Tunes. And there's actually some black and white stuff, so uh, it's kind of interesting to see. Now, here's the thing. Uh, it's somewhat infamous for Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies that there were a subset of shorts that have not been rebroadcast since they originally aired. These are called the Censored Eleven, uh, with such names as Coal Black and D7 Dwarfs, which... Uh, you can imagine what happens in that one. Now, here's the thing. Uh, if you if you actually go on to... I used Wikipedia for this one to like find a list of all the Looney Tunes shorts. Now, it turns out there's a whole lot of Looney Tunes that aren't on Max. Uh, some of the more famous ones is they don't have uh, a lot of the, um, the Pepe Le Pew shorts. Now, those won Academy Awards, but they're not going to be on Max because... Uh, I don't know, rape culture or something like that. Because LeBron said in that bar scene in Space Jam that consent is cool. Did he say that? Yeah, probably. In the cut scene, you remember I, this? I don't remember anything about that. Anyway, uh, I think they cut some, but not all, of the Speedy Gonzalez episodes. Because uh, apparently Mexican-Americans were like, no, wait, come on, we actually like this one. <laughs> Please keep them around. And the French people just don't care about Pepe. So, they don't have the censored Eleven. It turns out there are a whole lot of other ones that are missing from Max. Now, why would this be? I went back and I watched them. Because there's a whole lot more than just 11 racist Disney... Uh, not Disney. A whole lot more than 11 racist Looney Tunes shorts. There's, like, a hundred. It's... I, I kept, like, going down rabbit holes. Like, this was not on Max. What happens in this? Oh, another Uncle Tom caricature. Bit rabbit holes. It's really, really... Nice. Yeah, it's kind of like a thing. Uh, so really my jerk of the week is Porky Pig because Porky Pig keeps turning up in these racist Looney Tune shorts why does Porky Pig keep going to Africa we know what we're going to find there because <laughs> <laughs> he's the only one that can't say it that's why <laughs> exactly he keeps trying to say it. I'm not going to do a joke that I'll have to cut later <laughs> coward ripping my seat <laughs> vibrating <laughs> 
<laughs> Why is it always porky? It's it's because <laughs> they're, they're not allowed to eat him. Well, one of the I guess the real reason is uh, Porky was just really popular at that time. He was like the first really big star for uh, Looney Tunes, and then they wow, that's dire. I, apparently, people went nuts for the stuttering pig. They were just like, Matt, could you fucking imagine if Shrek came out in the '40s and we just had like a hundred years of donkey? <laughs> Instead of pop culture references, it's just like, wow, this, that's like that Clark Gable movie. This donkey's crazy. Here's a hundred million dollars. <laughs> I don't like Donkey. Anyway. Maybe instead of All Stars. Yeah. Sorry, what were uh, you saying? I also don't like thinking about this. I wish I didn't say that. Yeah. Well, Alex, do you want to talk about Hypnotic? I absolutely want to talk about Hypnotic to the best of my abilities because it's been a week and that movie's fucking confusing, but not in a good way. Okay, so here's the skinny people. After we signed off after the last episode, which will be ready around Christmas of this year. Alex and I were like, hey, let's drive to uh, the Rio down in Gaithersburg. Let's watch Hypnotic, because that's probably the only place that's ever going to be showing it. Uh, traffic was... It was our last yeah, chance. Traffic was really backed up on 495, so I got there like 20 minutes late, and I still had to see the Demeter trailer. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> sit down in those seats, and I will say a, a major positive. Comfy seats. Goes a long way. Uh, this is where yeah, nice seats. I, I guess you might as well. There's only twelve of them in the whole theater. But now, this movie was written, directed, edited, uh, produced, and uh, also the music was done by, and probably a whole bunch of other stuff by Robert Rodriguez, guy who typically does a whole lot of everything for his movies, and that's why he's able to turn them out so cheap. Well, you're saying that's and that's why they suck. Well, but, uh, here's continue. the thing: I actually kind of like Robert Rodriguez. Every once in a while, he turns out something I really love. I I love Planet Terror. Uh, I love. Um, from Dust Till Dawn, stuff like that. But Alright, two in 35 yeah. years. <laughs> I, <laughs> Planet Terror was a long time ago. Yeah, that's true, 2007. You were in high school. Yeah, I, I, I think I just graduated from high school when I saw that. I remember, It was one of my favorite uh, theater experiences. But, uh, yeah, here's the thing about Hypnotic. Apparently the script was written in 2002. And yeah, he was. couldn't make it until today. <laughs> And people had already forgotten who he was. Uh, there is a reason for that. This is uh, the story. Hang on. Because I, I was I was talking out loud as I was driving home. I was like, how am I going to be able to tell this to someone who's never seen it? Without sounding like a QAnon person. I'll, uh, if you if you mess anything up or anything's remotely confusing, I will jump in and yell over you. Don't okay. worry. So Matt Damon <laughs> stars in Hypnotic. And... Yeah. No, it's Ben Affleck. And uh, let's see, what is he? He is um, a detective. And the movie starts cold open. He's in a therapist's office talking about his missing daughter. And he's like, oh, I miss her so much. I miss her so much I didn't even look for her. Anyway, he's, uh, he leaves the therapy session to go to, uh, it's like a bank sting operation looking for people who are going to be wrong. Some, and they see some weird-looking guy in a suit go up to people and tell them, you know, random strings of phrases that makes them psychically believe that's actually happening like he says to one woman it's boiling hot today and she starts like taking off her clothes and stuff this is let me, let me hop in here for parker's sake this is bill fickner as mind freak continue yes. and uh <laughs> hang on a second so he goes up to one of the guards <laughs> and says like please let me have a lot of money and they're like okay right over here sir and Affleck tries to stop it, and the guy is just able to talk to people, and psychically these things uh, work out for him. But 
it doesn't work on Ben Affleck. Ah, a little clue here. <laughs> so Ben Affleck says there's only one way to, to fight a psychic with another psychic. He goes to like one of those like you know psychic places where a woman like looks over a crystal ball. This is this is correct. He's yeah. not a, he's not embellishing yeah, or exaggerating. Yeah, no, he, this is only missing Ben Affleck having a metal plate in his head that prevents the psychic waves yeah. from coming. So he in. talks to the psychic lady and he, and she's like, "No, nah, come on, I really don't want to help you." He's like, "Ah, please, come on, I never gonna have any fun." And then like. Uh, Bill Ficker is out there and he talks to some guy he talks some guy into driving his car into the psychic <laughs> no not his oh, car oh his car sorry yeah you're right that's, that's my bad <laughs> fucking Harley comes flying through the street all psychic points. yeah it's uh, about the, as it sounds it's 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 this is like 10 minutes yeah. in the movie by the so, way so uh, she's just like oh I guess I'll, you convinced me. I guess I'm going to help you now. So she takes him to, oh, no, he takes her to jail because it's the safest place against psychics. And uh, she's like, okay, so here's what's going on. That guy that you were talking to, the, the one who like, uses his psychic powers to control everyone else, he's, start, he's part of a secret government program to use, psycho, to use psychic warfare against our enemies to convince them to do our bidding. He's called a hypnotic. And Ben Affleck's like, do you really expect me to believe that? And uh, she's like, yes, because I'm one too. And he's like, I, I, I guess I just don't believe that. And uh, she convinces him that she is hypnotic by using her psychic powers on his guard best buddy and uh, making him do a whole bunch of stupid shit. He's like, okay, fine. I, I guess I believe you or something. Who cares? Hey, hey, Parker, you remember the episode of uh, Rugrats where Angelica learns hypnosis? That actually helped a lot, thank you. That clarifies that's, a lot of this. Uh, that's like the first 45 minutes of this movie. Yeah. Sounds good. Anyway, uh, they going to fast forward a bit here. Uh, Alex, Alex, yeah, Alex, if I forget anything that's uh, <laughs> substantial, you can like, tell me. Uh, how it <laughs> I probably also forgot yeah. <laughs> he goes. Where do they? Do they just go to Naples? <laughs> are they in uh, Italy or something? I think they're in Italy. And uh, I think that's that's fast ten. I, but in my mind, it's it's Italy. So uh, he, they find Jackie or O'Haley. He's in this movie. And how they get him? And anyway, they're on the run from. Uh, oh yeah, he's actually no. That's not actually Jackie or O'Haley. That's the hypnotic guy. <laughs> it's, it's- the hypnotic guy can apparently trick people that are in the room with him into thinking that he's somebody yeah. else, which we see because the lady hypnotic does it to like his Italian wife, or yeah, something. something like that. And then, and then, like we're like fucking three minutes into this exposition scene where Jackie or Haley is explaining the plot, and then it's like actually I'm Bill yeah. Fickner. It's really yeah. cool. So uh, they have to run from him, and he's convincing all the deadites, sorry Italians, to chase after uh, Ben Affleck. I almost said Matt Damon. And suddenly Ben Affleck is like, uh, hey, psychically, you want to use your psychic powers? Help me out. And she's like, sorry, I'm all out of uh, energy points. We need to collect more ammo. He's like, uh... And Ben Affleck tries to see, you know, since uh, Bill Fickner's psychic powers don't work on him, maybe he can try something, right? And it works. Turns out Ben Affleck was a secret, was a secret hypnotic this entire time. Uh, also, since this is the one thing that I remember that you did forget, the the whole like Bill Fickner character is like, I'm looking for this hyper super powered hypnotic that escaped from government like 
control yeah. or whatever. So this happens. You're like, oh, cool. So it's Ben Affleck. He just doesn't know who he is. Cool. Fine. Yeah. Well. But then. Here's the thing. You might be thinking to yourself, geez, really? That's the twist? Well, how does the movie resolve that? Oh. Parker. <laughs> That's like 30 minutes. <laughs> so. <laughs> what? <laughs> so they go to uh, some bombed out. uh I don't, I don't know where they are. I guess it, like they're one of the Mad Max sets or something like that. And they find a guy and they go in there. He's like a conspiracy theorist, so he doesn't believe anything because of the hypnotics and stuff. And uh, hey, yeah, you remember the junkyard scene in Heat? Cool, it's just that, <laughs> but kind of shitty. Anyway, uh, he's uh, asleep, and uh, I guess he makes love with that woman, and he goes into uh, <laughs> Parker. Remember the tsunami ship from Fast X? Well. What if it was in the Mad Max thing? So also, it's like kind of shitty and it looks bad. Well, Ben Affleck walks in there. It, it's really fucked bad. up that we didn't make Parker watch this. Yeah, by the way. We, we were considering doing a thing where we were like convinced you was good the whole time with our hypnotic powers, and then I would have texted you individually. Don't think that would work. On I was going to text you individually. It was like one of the tattoos that says "Don't believe his lies." <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> no, believe me. Go see this new Robert Rodriguez movie, Blind, in twenty twenty three. The script's been marinating for 11 years. So here's the thing. Uh, ben Affleck goes on their secret computer. I love those computers out of some movies, by the way, where they have, like, 28 different monitors and no visible, like, CPU running it. Anyway, he goes through and just clicks on the files and, find, and finds out, oh, I was also part of this secret hypnotic government program. <laughs> and my daughter, the one who disappeared, she's a super secret X-Man. That's, like, really powerful, and uh, they have to control her and use her to hack Russia or something. And Oh, and also, and also, the psychic lady is his wife, who just, he, they mind-wiped him so he thought his wife looked different. And he's like, oh my god, actually, it's all coming back to me. This has been my wife the whole time. Well, they say that, but here's the thing. Uh... He it is revealed to him that uh, yeah Bill Fitter was just there the whole time. He isn't even in that secret bad back set. He's actually still on the hypnotic base, and he's been walking through simulations thirty fucking times with people like these people are just acting. Uh, they are you know portraying roles, and they're using their mind powers to convince me he's going through here so that he will lead them either surreptitiously or intentionally to the location of his missing daughter. And every single time he gets to this part, he has to do it all over again. So they show you basically the whole movie over again. And this time it's like the, you turn the camera so you can kind of see like, oh, this is just a facade of a building. You know, this is a woman who's not even wearing like the outfit that the therapist is wearing. They just kind of go through the whole thing again. And you're just like, oh, God, it's, I can see this again. <laughs> uh, for context, all of these scenes, it's just like. It's like a fucking, like, studio backlot yeah. with, like, some signs hanging over, like, some boxes. Mm-hmm. Like, here's the sign that says Naples, and when the, the people walk over there, he imagines he's in Naples. Yeah. Like, here's the here's the bank, here's the jail cell, and it's all just, like, little poster boards. It's so yeah, it's I gotta be honest, it sounds like it uh, fucking sucks <laughs> real bad. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> this is where uh, stuff starts to change. He takes a bus which i guess i don't what was the vehicle that they used in the movie because i keep wanting to say it was a golf cart it was not a golf cart it was a golf cart it was in fact oh a yeah golf i guess cart. he takes a golf cart. it was one of those golf carts that like studio big oh the, right like the it. big golf cart not like you know the shitty golf cart yeah 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 yeah, yeah, like yeah. The big ones. not like the one that done fucked up anyway so they go uh, he <laughs> takes course. it and he's able to escape their facility he's breaking out of the simulation that's not fair 
And the reason he did it is because he left a note to himself that if you scratch over it with like the side of a pencil, that it tells you. Uh, it, it was uh, one of those like things where you gotta rearrange the letters to find out that she's parked on Deer Valley Lane or something like that. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking most Seinfeld fan ass thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I, actually, he really was a lot like Memento. I was like, if you look down, he got a tattoo of like. I thought he was gonna like that little thing that you're supposed to unravel. Like he looked in the mirror and it spells it out backwards. He's like, oh right. <laughs> so he goes over there, and it's some little farm with two old people who don't have psychic powers, but they do have shotguns. And suddenly I'm just like, oh, come on, something, please. And there is his daughter, his super secret psychic uh, daughter, who's so good at psychic powers that she can set up dominoes. Anyway, so he goes in there and he talks to her, and he's like, oh, my beautiful, bouncing baby girl, I'm so happy. He walks into the, the, the he walks into the room. She's in a different room. There's just dominoes lined up all the way through the yeah. house, and he's like, "All right, well, I guess I'm gonna knock these over and follow yeah. them." Which takes him all the way through the house to where she's like, "Ah, oh, there you are, Daddy. I have been waiting for it's you." It's kind of like a motif. It the is... dominoes represent something from a different movie. So any anyway, I uh, turns out now here's a, another twist, Parker. Do you like twists? Here's the twist. So he's yeah. looking for, uh, turns out his wife was not actually uh, controlled by that government secret hypnotic people. Turns out he wiped her memory to uh, save his daughter. <clears throat> wow. Because she's the daughter of two psychics, which makes her a super right, psychic. Right, exactly. I think they were kind of banking on, oh, maybe she won't get any psychic powers. Oops. So uh, anyway, the hypnotic people come over there. It turns out that the girl was controlling the psychic thing the whole time, and they shoot a whole bunch of people. Then the credits roll, and Alex is like, wait, I want to see if they join the Avengers. And turns out there is a sequel tease for this. Come on. <laughs> I am not even kidding. And so in another 21 years, you know, we'll see what happens. Parker, basically what we're saying is you got to see this shit. Tight 90, though. Actually, yeah, that's like one of the... Oh, I'll absolutely see oh, this. Yeah. That was never up for yeah. debate. Oh, it's one of the more moronic movies that I've ever seen. Not because, not just because of, like, the subject matter, because, like, you know, there's been plenty of stupid-ass movies like this that people have loved, but just so many people that I he have heard of and know of were just like, yeah, sure, I'll sign off on that. There's no way this is a big check for Ben Affleck. Or even, like, a medium-sized yeah, check. Yeah, he definitely did this not need This guy fucking read the script and was like, yeah. He read the script and was like, I want to be in this movie. This is my chance to work with Robert Rodriguez. You know, when that opportunity comes <laughs> at you, you simply cannot say no. A script that's been, <laughs> been a bun in the oven for two decades. Oh, my goodness. You gotta do it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> You have to jump on this pre-Obama script yeah. and really just go to town. I think that what bothers it's me so... is it's so predictable. It's very, very easy to see what's going to come. It's easy to Oh, guess. we got a trailer, Roger. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, I have not seen... I gotta wonder what the trailer for this would look like. <laughs> we should show it to him totally blind and see what oh, he says. Yeah. See if he can figure it out. <laughs> Using his mind powers to solve the movie. Oh, man. Actually, I think that he's the psychic. Oh my god, he's been blessed by the gift too. His parents must be psychics. Is that how he was able to figure out what happened? Are the eldest yellow cyclones? Are they both psychics with mind powers? Uh, really makes you think, huh? 
I was born to watch this on Tubi. Oh, absolutely. Okay, uh, for the next movie, I think it's time that uh, we use one of the devices that I invented. It's a time machine. It lets you travel through time. We're going to go all... Hang on. Yeah. Oh, God. He watched more racist cartoons. Oh, Great. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> We're going to go all the way back to the year of 1958. Let me push the button. Oh, yeah. I'll kill baby Hitler. Here we go. All right. Everyone, strap yourselves in. We're hurtling That's through louder the That's louder than the cannons somehow. What's going on? There we go. All right. Was it too loud? I couldn't hear what you oh, were saying. Yeah. You'll see. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we're traveling through time, and uh... oh look, it's 1958. So uh, what was oh, 1958? Here we go. Okay, so hey fellas, hey Snap Daddyo, you want to go down to the local Cinemaplex, watch a movie? Well, the, the latest and greatest that's out is I Married a Monster from Outer Space, a movie that, in 50 years or so, will be on a list with 999 other movies. Now, this one is... Uh... Jesus Christ, man. How did this not make the cut the first time? That's a great question, Alex. Xander. This is a... Uh... <laughs> hey, you be careful. We're in 1958. I'm going to go find and kill Frank Zappa and keep talking like that. All right. So this is directed by Gene Fowler Jr. And as uh, contemporary Welcome listeners up. know, he's also the guy who did um, I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Oh, my penis. So I did not like it. <laughs> I did not like it. you cut that, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> I did not like I Was a Teenage Werewolf. I've been very clear about that before. Uh, but I Married a Monster from Outer Space is a lot better. I, for some reason, it's it's played straight. Uh, it's just, they're, everyone's taking it really seriously. I'm obviously reminded of a lot of MST3K movies. And uh, ultimately, I kind of feel like... Hang on a second. Hold the right seat. Keeping all this in as I'm working. Ah, good. Anyway, don't talk over the music. <laughs> Just imagining Paco saying something's the wrong feed. <laughs> okay, so uh, what else happens in this stupid movie that sucks? Uh, oh, yeah, some woman, she marries... Uh, who is she? Oh, she marries a the monster, monster from space. space. Right. I oh, yeah, I forgot out. about that. that out from the trailer. Yeah, all right. Oh my god, he's a hypnotic. Sorry, just had a soda pop there. All right, uh, back to... Let's go get a chocolate malty, all slurs. <laughs> oh, we can say me, it now. I'm going to comb my hair with my switchblade comb. Yeah. Oh. What a good time. We, we should probably play this in memoriam of uh, people who were killed in 1958. Sure hope we don't go to war with those goddamn celestials. <laughs> <laughs> This is, uh, we, the world lost through Nobulax today. Uh, <laughs> devoted husband. <laughs> I can see which one goes through. Unfortunately, I can't seek to it, so. Alright, what else did I watch? Did I watch anything good here? Anything worth talking about? I watched something that you guys... Probably yeah, not. I watched something you guys probably, uh, wouldn't have a lot of interest in, but I kind of liked it. It's, it's a movie called Auntie Mame, and this is one that the other Alex recommended to me. I was like, eh, I got two and a half hours. Let's go ahead and put it on. 
Uh, it's really funny. It's uh, it's got Rosalind Russell. She was nominated for an Oscar. She plays a wealthy socialite who's uh, eccentric. I guess you just gotta kind of feel oh, my that. favorite. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but it's funny. It's it's she's so crazy. She, it has the same sort of like fast paced dialogue that uh, a previous movie she was in, uh, His Girl Friday, had, and uh, I happen to like that quite a bit. Oh, here's one. Fucking stinks on ice. Another addition to the list. I have not found a good addition to the list yet. <laughs> uh, this is called The Nanny. It came out in 1965, and it's got uh, uh, Betty Davis in here, which is, uh, if you know Betty Davis in 1965, you know she wasn't looking especially great. Uh, she, Bro, that's seven years in the future. How would I know well, No, that? we're back in 2023. <laughs> oh, you, you gotta put us back in the yeah, you gotta, you gotta yeah, rewind it. Let me find the button to get us back there. Well, it didn't play. Oh shit, machine's broken. Okay, in the future, oh, yeah, we're we're trapped. Trapped. in the future, in 2023, there or actually 1965, there will be a movie called The Nanny, and it'll be on a list of 199 other movies. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to go hang out with our good friends and allies in Canada. Yeah, it's uh, take one down, pass it around. Uh, Betty Davis. Uh, she has to take care she's an american uh, nanny who goes over to britain to take care of uh this really shitty kid this is the most annoying fucking kid in the world i'm gonna spoil this movie this kid is a piece of shit and i hate him turns out uh he was right to fear the nanny betty davis because she was actually uh responsible for the death of his younger sister you know what? she probably deserved it she's british europeans don't deserve rights Okay, uh... Especially not now, in this current year that we all live right, in. All right, let me, okay. We're having a great time. Wow, mister, those are some tall No, we're buildings. going back to 2023. <laughs> now. They're touching heaven. They're going to be there forever. <laughs> now we're going really fast past 9-11. We don't have to make jokes about them. The book depository. Oh, the book depository. The book depository. We're going past... Jesus the Christ. Betty Davis could be anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we're going past the pyramids of Giza. We don't have to... Uh-oh, we're stuck in the pyramids of Giza. <laughs> All right. No, no. Get me out. Take me back All right, to the across. No, hold up. Parker, left or right? <laughs> All right. Uh, actually, so here's one for you. This is a... Uh, this might actually do something for you. Uh, one of the movies on the list wasn't necessarily good but it was interesting so i thought about doing um looking up some exorcism movies maybe for the podcast because that feels like good material (laughs) and the one that i found is i don't know it's kind of tough to recommend it's called mother joan of the angels and it's in polish but it's the it's also the oldest exorcism movie i think i've ever seen 1961 parker you're the well you're the assistant horror expert do you have any research files on any older exorcism movies than this? Uh, no, we don't have any of those movies back in this. <laughs> no, we're in 2023. <laughs> we are... Say, mister, what's an exorcism? So, here's the thing. <laughs> so, Mother Joan of the Angels uh, actually had some pretty interesting stuff in there. Uh, some pretty good acting. But it just wasn't quite as interesting as a movie that came out last year called Prey for the Devil. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> oh. No. We, I, I don't know why we didn't do yeah. this. Same, honestly. Uh, Pray for the Devil is a movie about uh, a lady exorcist. This is my fight what? song. Take back my life song. 
<laughs> Golly gee, she can do exorcisms before she can vote? Well, this is in fact my right song. Why is Peabody and Mr. Shirt? Actually, yeah, I wanted to pray for the devil. Yeah, pray for the devil probably takes place last week. I will say, bit of a downgrade here. There's no, there's no fucking like, <laughs> Russell Crowe. Like movie. last week or 1958 last week? Uh, <laughs> last week and actually no, it came out last year, so 2022. Because again, we use the time machine. We're in 2023. Try to keep focused here. Pray for the. I don't know. I feel wow, like you really hovercraft. I would really thrive back then. Like you have a, a robot butler while you're watching this Yeah, movie? Parker, people really liked your hair back in 1958. I feel like I would do well if someone asked me to do something with my hands. They would call me a bunch of slurs and beat the shit out of me. I feel like they'd see him walking around and just like ship him off to the army like Elvis. <laughs> Shipping off to army. Whoa. I'm sorry, I can't go fight those Koreans. I, I have lost my Okay, 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 okay. So, <laughs> so pray for the devil. Was that a Tiptoes reference? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, Pray for the Devil. I've never heard of this yeah, film. Pray for the Devil. I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> it's about uh, a lady exorcist, and if you're going to just have a woman do exorcisms, you have to, you have to make it, like, uh, woman-oriented. It's not just like, oh, you're just putting it in a yeah, She has to shop for all the materials. Oh, close. <laughs> so, here's the thing. Uh, the whole time we've been having men do exorcisms, you know, they're just coldly logical those men but what if we really cared for the person we showed some nurturing instincts <laughs> hey, hey yo, what if she's trying to do exorcism but she's on her fucking period or something <laughs> right anyway she uh is able to connect with uh here's a new one for you how about a female victim of uh a devil person inside her body wow. Breaking yeah, I've never seen that before. So anyway, she wins the day and has to join up with her new partner who likes to ride a Vespa. That's a sequel to <laughs> Again? Yeah. Uh, Pray for Devil's really it good. It just keeps popping yeah. up. Alright, now here's one that I assigned to Parker. And uh, I thought he would uh, really hate it, but he gave it three and a half stars on Letterboxd. So uh, get the Blu-ray. This is one where I... I made a joke earlier about someone in the abusing industry died. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of Tina Turner, and I had never seen Tommy, and uh, which is odd because that was my sister's favorite movie. And I was like, okay, I'll finally put that on. And I'm a dad rock guy. I love the Who. What could possibly go wrong? It was directed by Ken Russell. This is normal guy, <laughs> regular is... dude who's cool and normal. This is the most Ken Russell fucking movie I've ever seen in my life. It's fucking disgusting. Uh. You know what's weird? Yeah, that's why I gave it three and a half yeah. <laughs> Now, here's the thing. Uh, my sister, when she was growing up, she actually hated the Tina Turner section of this movie. She was like, yeah, she looks freaky. It sounds like a worse version of the song. I don't like it. And I was like, oh, come on. I love Tina Turner. She's my favorite singer. And I went back and watched it. Turns out, Vindication from my sister, she was right. That part sucks. I don't know why they did it like that. Which is a shame. She really needed that for a career revival. And there is a good version of her song that she released on one of her compilation albums. Uh, Acid Queen. If you actually listen to her version of it, it's really good. Unfortunately, this is what we get. Tommy's kind of a weird one. Sorry. Really a weird one. Because uh, there are some songs that they do better in the movie than they do on the original album. I really like Elton John's cover of Pinball Wizard. But unfortunately, they also try to make Oliver Reed sing. That man... He, he can't do it. He's worse at singing than Russell Crowe was in Les Miserables. It's... And... I know, Alex, that's, uh... I just don't believe you. <laughs> dude, this is one where I think if you were to watch Tommy, you'd be like, never mind, 
I get it. <laughs> well, singing's for dames, though. Why is he singing? Oh, my goodness. Sounds like we got a far-out movie to look forward to. <laughs> See, that's the thing. It's like it's filmed like this sci-fi sort of movie in like the shittiest way that sci-fi could possibly be. Uh, and it, again, there's stuff that I like about song. There is some really beautiful music and some beautiful uh, lyrics in there, but ultimately it's... It's kind of meandering. It sort of loses its way, and Pete Townsend kept acting like uh, it was more important than it really was. And then, uh, watch Kandahar. Alex, what will you watch in 2023? <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I don't know. My calendar's uh, pretty empty then. I, I gotta figure out what exactly I'm gonna pencil in for this mm-hmm. week. Uh, I just got two things to talk about, and neither of them are movies, so it <laughs> should be pretty quick. Uh, all right. Well, you guys are both horror fans. I, I feel like I can have a conversation with you guys about this. Well, one's uh, a bigger fan than the yeah. other. You know, that is true. I'm merely an apprentice. You guys, uh, <laughs> you guys, you guys like horror franchises, right? No. <laughs> um, you like you like horror I, franchises with a bunch of lore and retcons, and sometimes the events take place out of order, and you gotta you gotta have fan theories on Parker, Reddit I'm busy and stuff. With work. Can you like? <laughs> no. no more I've had enough <laughs> well uh I went down a rabbit hole this week you see a couple weeks ago I was doing you know what all people in the future do in their uh their free time just playing some Fortnite custom games <laughs> and we f- <laughs> we found a Five Nights at Freddy's custom Fortnite game we're like alright well this is gonna be fucking stupid let's play this and you go in and like you do some quests with bad grammar, and then nothing attacks you, because apparently it's just for, like, role-playing as Five Nights at Freddy's characters, which got my brain turning. I'm like, I thought this was just, like, a bunch of shitty jump scares and puzzles. Like, oh, no, no. Apparently, this has an enormous amount of lore. So I've watched, like, four hours of YouTube essays about the Five Nights at Freddy's lore this oh, week. Oh, my God. I love that <laughs> It's incredibly funny because the games take place like wildly out of order, and like you learn things in future games that change the way that things happen in like past games, but not in a way where there's like direction. You know there was... It's just kind of like, oh, now we're just doing this now. Yeah, there was an order. Uh, also, apparently, uh, after the seventh one, they just like retcon the events of three of the games to make eight and nine, and the community is very mad about it. Uh, uh, yeah, the dude. There's more, dude. So apparently, apparently, a lot of the shit that goes into this lore and like the fan theories and stuff is uh, like either comes from like Easter egg flash games that you have to find by making certain decisions in the oh. game and like have no context, or like are things you get from like decoding shit in coloring books. Like it is. Wait, you mean I like understand. actual physical coloring books that they will sell at Target in twenty twenty three? Yes. Yes, yes. There, there's a whole extended universe of novels. There's uh, the first one of these games came out what, like nine years ago? I think now there's a dozen fucking games and all of this shit. Uh, Look, Parker, if you were twelve years younger, you'd be the biggest Five Nights at Freddy's fan that I know. Like, there's not a doubt in my mind. This is. I have no interest in jumping into this, but I love the fact that it exists because, yeah, uh, teenage me would have been. 13-year-old me would have been too scared to play the game, but would have kept up with every single piece of lore. And See, that's my theory here. Is well, I think most fans probably don't actually play the games. They just follow along with YouTube essays for four hours. Oh, 
Au contraire, because the fan community has created these things called VHS tapes, which is, like, the way that they describe, like, basically fucking fan cams of the game. But they, they've added all of this extra shit to the story by creating these, these fucking videos that, like, give the characters more background and, like, build on the lore, but in a way that actually, like, kind of makes sense and isn't just, like, Frank the Hedgehog. Like, it's... <laughs> it's... It's kind of absurd. Like, I I did this because I'm autistic and it seemed interesting, and I guess there's a movie coming out in, like, six months, so I will be able to explain the lore when that time comes. But, uh... You know, there are worse ways to spend, like, four hours of your time on YouTube. It was fascinating, both in how dumb it is, and also that the guy that I was watching just kept having to, like, pause to address controversies in the fandom about the chronology of the events, which is the shit that I live right. for. Did, was there any news on how the original creator, the guy who made Freddy, uh, Freddy, Five Nights at Freddy's, how does he feel about the fan community just writing their own lore? I have no idea whether it's even the same guy that's involved, or if ever there was one guy, because I, I kind of think this game just, like, there were, like, little nuggets of lore in the first game, I guess. Uh... I haven't played the game. However, I will say, in addressing the chronology of these uh, these games and trying to put the timeline in order, the first game comes 50 minutes into the first video I watched. So uh, <laughs> I guess there's a lot of prequels and a lot of content, but uh, I, I think, like, I feel like somebody just kind of took whatever this originally was and ran with it and just started shitting out an extended universe to placate the Star Wars dorks Absolutely or something. Does, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, it's extensive, it's very extensive. I will not bore you with the details right now, but well, when we inevitably yeah. have to do that movie as an episode, <laughs> let it be known that I have you covered, and I will explain any and all lore. What? Also, apparently, the, the, the big bad in the movie is Matthew Lillard, so... Oh, buddy. <laughs> now we're talking. Uh, well, thank you for being the lore master yeah. for this, because... Uh, Someone's got yeah. me. That's a rabbit hole that... It's gonna happen. I, yeah, I in 2023. Like, I'm going to fall asleep the, Yeah, in a 50 to 60 some odd years. Uh, I'm going to get real into this yeah. fucking video. <laughs> I'm going to fall you, asleep and the algorithm's going to put the zombie and I'm going to wake up and that's going to be the rest of my day. I yeah, feel it. no, it will. You, you, of all people that I know, would be the one person that I would be like, this person would enjoy going down this moronic fucking rabbit hole. So, uh... Let's do without what you will. I can, I can send you the video I started with if you want. You can go from there. Please. <laughs> uh, Parker, you want to talk for 45 minutes about Succession? More than anything. I This is... It's so weird. Because, like, I, I know, Chris, you don't watch the show. But, like, I, assu I assume that as a person who is on the internet, you've seen the approximately 5,000 think pieces that have come out since this episode aired three days ago. Uh, that and uh, the Ted Lasso finale. Everyone keeps talking about that. See, and I've somehow avoided that, but I also, you know, you know, have excised that tumor from all content mills in my life, because if you watch the show, you're just a fucking idiot, I'm sorry. But, uh, um, yeah, so the thing is, like, after watching the Succession finale, I've read, like, all 5,000 of those think pieces just because I want people to talk about Succession with, and I don't really have them. So it's like, well, let me just see what this dumbass writer at the Bulwark thinks. Like, it's just shit like that. Just every time I see one, I click it and I read. And more often than not, I glean some sort of new insight from it. Because 
The show's so fucking good. And there's so much going on. And no matter how, like, no matter how intently you watch the show, like, there's always more that you can glean from, like, things that happened in previous seasons that, like, you just weren't even thinking about. I mean, case in point, Parker, you watched the entire thing in the past, what, like, three weeks? Four yes. weeks? So it, it's all fresh in your brain. And I'm sure even you're hearing stuff and seeing stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot that they said that in this one scene before. One hundred percent i've been also soaking it up like a little piggy because since it's all so fresh it's all kind of run together so seeing people who've been living with this show for like five years it's really helped to give me some uh context and perspective and also i just like to say uh, i'm very happy that i broke my rule about not waiting for a show to finish before watching it and it actually sticking to landing i'm pretty psyched about that i i never had any doubt but also, if they somehow fucked it up, it would have cut me more deeply than any piece of media, like, ever. There were... A, it, it's so weird, because, like, I'm not... I, I don't feel like I've watched a lot of series finales in my life. I mean, like, I've consumed a lot of, you know, media. But I mean, like, ones that were, like, events. Like, I remember when Friends ended, and uh, that's kind of it. Like, I, I don't... I get to a lot of stuff later. I don't tend to think about, oh no, this is my last chance like with these characters or in this universe. But in this case, like I love this show so much that it's it was like all consuming for me in the week leading up. And as I was watching it, and again, this is something that like I've never felt or experienced before. So if this is just like a normal human emotion thing and I sound like an idiot, like my bad. But like I'm watching the episode just like constantly like thinking and charting all of the paths that the finale could take and like how it would like how I would feel about each of them and like there wasn't really a bad way to write this story which makes everything they did and how powerful that last 20 minutes is like extra impressive because like it kind of was unfuckable and they made something unbelievable anyway I just I don't know I'm tickled to death with the show like you couldn't see any of the possible outcomes working out you'd be like yeah no I get it that would make sense but then they chose the right one anyways, which makes me even happier. There's there's a moment that I'm going to assume is roughly 50 minutes into the episode, because this is like the one thing I've ever been so locked in on every week that I've never once even considered glancing at the clock. Um, so, like, I, I was truly unaware of how close to the end it was. But, like, there's a point where you're like, oh, my God, they're going to cliffhanger it. They're going to end without telling us, like, who comes out, like, quote unquote, on top here. And... For, like, five minutes, my brain was like, yep, that's what they're going to do. It's going to piss everyone's off. The message is going to be, oh, none of this mattered. Literally none of this matters. These people suck and shame on you if you like them. That's going to be the takeaway from this. Because that's the most deeply cynical thing they could fucking do right now. And then they did something that's, like, five times more cynical than that. And it's like, oh, fuck, this is so good. I, do we just talk about spoilers? Or we can wait, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very okay with talking about spoilers. Chris, if you are planning to watch this sometime soon we won't but uh you seem to be uh not especially interested in this one so it's I'll just let you discover yeah, on I'll, your I'll own get around to it one of these days you'll forget probably yeah yeah i mean also also truth be told like the spoilers like don't negatively impact people. your impact but like there's one thing in this whole fucking season that you can really get spoiled on and like everyone got spoiled on that an hour yeah, after it happened so i sure you're, you're, yeah that's the only legitimate spoiler that I've that I've been got by in like fifteen years. I, I was so mad. 
But uh, it didn't matter. It actually kind of enhanced the viewing experience. Uh, Parker, yeah, go ahead. Uh, what do you want to? you want to talk fucking, about first? Yeah, let's just talk about the fucking the vote scene where the siblings go in the other room. Cause my god, that is that's the end of them, right? Like, there's no coming back from the things that were said. <laughs> like, it's it's over. <laughs> you know. So that's like what's so interesting about it is like on one hand, yes, because like there's no coming back from this position, like. There's no do-overs, there's no second, third, and fourth, and fifth chances like they've been throughout this whole series. But also, like, Roman literally did this to Kendall in season one. <laughs> like, I, it's... That is true, but there was always the ads, whatever, you know, we'll get over it, because, you know, we got... it's his birthright, so it's not that important. As long as he can, you know, get back in the company and get what's his, it, it is over. Like, yeah. the dream is dead. There is nothing to regain from this. And just everything about the way that scene is set up. Like, we've had this fucking Stewie character for four years that just always says he's gonna help Kendall and then fucks him just over and over and over. And for Stewie to be like, yeah, fuck it, I'm Team Ken, let's go. And then it goes to the siblings and you're just like, oh no, I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> Who's gonna do it to him? It's when he gets to Roman and he just pauses, you're like, come on, buddy, not again. Well, I, like, you know it's not going to be Roman, because you know Roman's too much of a bitch. Oh, he's and so then it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, so what's the angle here? Like, because... It, one of the great things about this show, like, other than how funny and smart and creative and just every, you know, superlative I can give it, like, it's unbelievably well-written and well-acted in a way that I've literally never experienced with any other piece of media. There isn't a weak performance in the whole show, but if you had to say that there was a weak performance, it's the Shiv character, because the character is just all over the place all the time, and it's hard to tell how much of it sometimes is like, oh, they went in a different direction with the writing, or like, oh, she's just, you know, she's just this fucking fickle. Like, you're really not sure, because in most shows it's the former, and then in this show, as you're watching it, it's like, oh, no, no, that was all tactical. It was all on purpose. I regret ever thinking that for even half a second. They knew exactly what they were doing. This is this is so good. I'm so happy with this. My favorite thing about the show is how many things are like, they're there, but they're not, like, they're said, yeah. but it's not, they're not shining it's on you light on. To It's on you to remember what's happened in the previous seasons in a way that is like, so rewarding when we're so used to being told everything that's ever happened every 20 minutes because you know uh, oh sorry no you're you're good like because like you you know you knew the whole fucking time that candle killing that waiter is going to come back you know you know like there's no way it can't yeah obviously the fact that she just says it so flippantly like you can't be the ceo you killed somebody yeah that's the end of the conversation and like for context for those that are listening because they want to follow along but haven't like watched any of this like that guy dies in season one like it's literally three seasons ago it's barely addressed in the following three seasons just like we covered it up it's good but it's the kind of show where you know it's coming back so like I know that's coming out in the boardroom what I didn't know was coming out was all of the Kendall's kids stuff yeah, and because that, just, that... that just makes you repaint everything. It's like, yeah, that's probably a good reason why their dad would never give him the company. Because he can't yeah. bear his own kids. That's yeah. never said, but you've watched these characters. It's not easy to connect A to B to C. Like, yeah, he's not going to leave this comp- this empire he's built to someone who can't give him blood grandkids. Because that's the kind of person he is. Yeah. And it... <sighs> 
I thought the whole, like, like I understood, or at least, let me say that, I thought I understood why they were doing the whole shit pregnancy thing, but also there was this thing in the back of my mind, like, this character would never carry this baby to term, there's just zero fucking chance. And then you get Honestly. to that scene, it's like, oh no, I was wrong, you were right, you were right, I just didn't know. <laughs> that's on me. She knows. That's on me. She knows. That's <laughs> she knows. She knows. <laughs> like, uh, like, I didn't catch this originally, but that's why I've enjoyed just diving in with everyone's takes. Because, uh, again, for people who are watching, like, the three siblings agree, like, all right, it's Kendall's, he'll take over the company. He's the eldest boy, as he tells them. <laughs> it's his to take. And then they go in the office, and he sits in that chair, leans back, puts his feet on the table. And they just cut to her, and she just has a look of, like, no, nah, this is this is the wrong call. Like, she doesn't say a word. There's no, like, dramatic music. She just has a look on her face that tells, like, no, nah, she knows this is wrong he's not fit for this she's gonna fuck him over she's it's absolutely it's done already in this moment she's decided no sorry fuck it and that's why i love the show because these moments are all there if you're a big loser like i am and rewatch it like all of this stuff is there in the text clear as day it's just not yep there's you no just don't know what you're looking for sting yet. behind it yeah it's, it's like going back to kindle killing the guy like once you find out in season halfway into season four that everything they've alluded to with their dad and his sister was that he blames himself for bringing back polio and getting her sick and her dying. It's like, oh, so that's why he took him Kindle after he accidentally got that waiter killed because he sees that in himself. Like, okay, got it. Yeah. Never explicitly said by anyone at all whatsoever, but you know these people and you can make that leap of like, yeah, he blames himself for that death. He sees his son going through something like, I mean, he was pretty at fault, but like, Look, they're both they're both fucked up and trying to score more drugs, and they drove off a bridge. I mean, yeah, it's not not his fault, but it's yeah, like he, he stabbed the guy. Like, right? Yeah, things of happen, and you know he's he's completely devastated because he's responsible for the loss of human life, and the dad sees that, and then he takes him in, he makes him eat shit for a while because of it, but just yeah, stuff like he that, tries that's to send him to fucking jail. <laughs> <laughs> It's rewarding to have a show like have reveals that aren't plot twists, but just things that shine a different perspective on what you've already seen, but in a way that makes sense. It's not just like, well, that undoes all that. That's cheating. Even like, so I I love everything. Uh, I love everything about the scene where they go back to to uh, to Logan's house and like Connor's putting together the thing where you know they all like you know put their their little stickers on the things that they want of their dad's stuff like I that that scene was like particularly affecting to me because like I remember like my dad doing that with his siblings when my grandparents died I don't know why I remember it but just like I I immediately was like in that the headspace you're supposed to be in that scene it was like I didn't even know that that was like a thing that other people did I like I so I was like, all right, this is interesting. And when they go in the fucking kitchen and they're watching, like, the, the tape of him uh, at dinner, and it's, like, the one time in the series that he appears like a human being, and you look around the table and it's Connor and all the fucking sea levels and, like, none of the other kids are there. It's like, oh, you guys literally never experienced this. You guys don't know what the fuck this is. Like, And they don't have to shine on the side and be like, wow, why weren't we there? Or, wow, we must have been busy. Like, there's just silent watching tearing up realizing like oh we didn't get to see this side of dad yeah it's and like he's there's... Like doing the thing where he's listing off all of the presidential candidates who lost and one was like i didn't know he still knew that it's like yeah correct 
got <laughs> no insight into him being a fun, warm, loving person. God, it's so fucking good. It's 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 perfect. It's I don't think I'm ever gonna see another piece of media this good. And like I'm not trying to be hyperbolic when I say that. I don't know. In about a seventy years, they're gonna make a movie about a guy who goes to Kandahar. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, other than that, you know, I, I just, you know, I can't see that far ahead. I'm not a visionary, like, uh, you know, like the, the, the psychics, or I already forgot what they're called. We just watched the movie. Isn't it the title of the movie? Yeah, yeah, they're called Hypnotics. All right. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, no, um, like, literally everything about it was perfect. I really appreciated that this whole fucking time, this whole fucking series They've just painted Tom as this, like, you know, yes-man corporate lackey who doesn't really do anything like all the fucking kids do. And then for, like, the past five episodes, you know, now that he's trying to earn his place in the Madsen thing, he's just, like, fucking busy all the time. It's like, oh, oh, this guy actually, like, does work and knows his shit and, like, knows what's going on. He clearly doesn't belong in the same bucket as these fuck-up kids, even though we all put him there the whole time. And that kind of makes the ending that much more effective. And that is kind of, again, a thing that's, like, never outright spoken, but, like, you know, all of the inner circle people think all three of these kids are complete fucking morons who have no idea what they're doing. But it's never like, oh, we can't have one of them take over the company. They'll ruin everything. It's just understood of, like, these stupid fucking kids. This Their fucking daughter was a political consultant until, like, eight months ago. Like, what are we, CEO of this billion-dollar conglomerate? Like, No. And then Tom just swoops in, my favorite character in all of media. <laughs> He's so, so good. Tom putting the sticker on Greg is uh It's so beautiful. It is a moment in this uh in this show that I have somehow not seen anybody else talk about, and yet was easily like my favorite moment of maybe the entire series. I I love everything he, about this show. It's perfect. Because it's the thing where he doesn't have to explain his motive, but you know like yeah, Tom's he gets it. He would have done this exact same thing yeah. if he saw there was a chance to wedge himself in with the next CEO and like give a critical piece of info. He would absolutely do it. He sold out his own wife to their dad with like two seasons ago. <laughs> Doesn't give a fuck. Like he gets it and he loves his little Greggy. Sweet Greg. I kinda <laughs> wish I didn't just watch this whole thing in like a month because if I had been following it, I would just start from the beginning and rewatch the whole thing. But it's all way uh-huh. too fresh, and every episode's an hour. I'm gonna need a little bit of a break here. Yeah, I've, I've watched I... like five movies in the last month and a half. So I need a little break. I've I've been thinking about restarting it every day since it ended. Like it's it. just it's it's perfect. I've never never have I felt this way about a a piece of media. Like I just I I'm just I'm dumbstruck by how good it is. Stuck the landing. It's it sure fucking did. Which when you set yourself up where you have like seven different viable options that wouldn't be a huge letdown, that's good writing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like on a lot of levels the show isn't about that. Like it kind of doesn't fucking matter who's running it. But also it does. And that's the only place this can... The the way that the show takes, like, plot threads and ties a neat little bow on them over the last, you know, three, four episodes is just, like... I mean, episode eight of this season is all about fucking election night for this election that's been in the background of everything that's happening for three and a half seasons. Like, it's, it's not something that 
you would expect to be resolved. But they bring it all back in. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. These people have a psychotic amount of influence. And this thing that's just been in the background that actually affects people is like, oh, now it's going to be at the forefront. Like, you were here to have the kids fight over who gets the stuff? Too bad. This matters to other people, too. And it's just such a nice way to do that. Yeah, like, it's in the background, like, I didn't recognize the candidate's name just because it had been such a background thing in that whole episode. My fucking stomach hurt. I was so anxious, like, what the fuck? What? Yeah. This election <laughs> isn't real. I don't know any of the people involved in this. I don't know which one. I mean, I, I knew halfway through which one was the Republican, but I couldn't tell you the other candidate's name right now. But I was so fucking anxious for the entire hour. It's such a good show. It's insane. It's fucking perfect it, like that episode is like it's like made in a fucking lab to just be shot in my veins like i nine and ten is one of the most insane runs of episodes i've ever seen in my life it's unbelievable like to to watch that episode and have it end and be like fuck there's like two episodes of this left what the fuck happens i need more i need more of this i have to know but it's not that kind of shout show. out to not leaving an open-ended thing like yeah, that none of them are ever coming back to this. Like it's yeah, it's done. Yeah, like you don't might be dead right now. Like, yeah. There's... Well, I mean, not now in 1958, but yeah, not in the swinging 50s. <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, I actually do have one more thing to talk about because I almost forgot that I watched this thing. Guys, were you not going to tell me how good Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was? Holy fucking shit, that, so that movie's so it's good. It's so fucked up that we didn't say anything about it to him. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, Alex, we were going to wait until 2022 to tell you about it. Uh, yeah. You know what, yeah. that's fair. I, I wouldn't want to uh, have 50 years to forget all the spoilers. Right, exactly. That's actually like the reason that I waited to watch it, is because like I wanted to try to forget knowing mm-hmm. the ending. But uh, it turns out, if you know the ending to that movie and you watch it, the whole thing is, like, five times funnier. I knew it couldn't like, hurt. Knowing. You know? I Correct. It, but just, like, you are being able to dispense with the illusion that you're supposed to take any of these people seriously makes the movie fucking fantastic. Like, not to say that it wouldn't be otherwise, because, like, I have obviously only seen it one way. But just knowing that all of these people are turning on each other because Pete Davidson accidentally chopped his own neck trying to make a TikTok in the rain is uh, just A++++. I fucking love how, you know, by the second scene of this movie, you hate every character. Like, literally everyone. It's impossible not to. And to just know that uh, none of these people are going to be happy and you're in good hands, like, feels really good. Could tell the difference in in watching uh, with the two of us sitting on the couch when we finish, and I opened Letterboxd, and she'd given it one half star forty five minutes in. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> they did a good job on this thing with these people you were supposed to hate. You're just really bad at hating people. I love that. I love how it all builds to like them finally having their big blow up and like letting all their secrets out. And it's just the pettiest shit you've ever heard in I, your it's life. Like so people are literally yeah. dead. <laughs> this this is what's coming out in this moment. It's the all most, on the table. The most cutting insult of the entire movie being your upper middle class. <laughs> it's just it's perfect. It's just, <laughs> just it's absolutely flawless, dude. The movie saying is, that to someone that you think might be the murderer. <laughs> 
That's that's your final like, look. If I die right here in this house tonight, I want you to know that you were only upper middle class. Played completely straight. That's... What a, God, what a good movie. <laughs> and then, of course, the ending reveal. Yeah, that's... Is legitimately that's, yeah. one of the greatest <laughs> things ever put on film. <laughs> Watching them watch it play out in horror, <laughs> a different kind of horror of like, did this fucking moron cut his own throat? And then just the friend shows up that was spoken about. Yeah. The first By the time. way, Alex, I think you mentioned on uh, the Fast Dex episode that you're not necessarily a Pete Davidson guy. You just like you, you're not really interested in all like the discourse. I, something along those lines. Well, I mean, it, it, he seems like a good hang. Well, oh, yeah. Like, I'm, well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. No, 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 no. It's a weird yeah. when people turn yeah, on him. I, I, I can't imagine having strong feelings about him, like for or against. But I will say, it was this movie that convinced me. It was like, no, the guy's actually funny. Because like none of the shit that I ever saw on SNL was any good. Uh, but this one right here, this is where it's like, oh wait, that guy is. He's just naturally funny. He's just good at telling jokes. And uh, I came away very, very impressed. I have an automatic bias with anyone on SNL, and then they have to work the way back. Pretty much, yeah. I'm sorry. That's just that's just how I operate. Yeah. That's he fair. could be a cool guy. I haven't seen enough of him, but uh, sorry. That's where I know you got famous from, so uh, that's where we're mm-hmm. at. All right. Uh... I've, I can only be hurt so many times. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, the thing is, like, SNL wasn't great in 1958. It's not going to get a whole lot better either. <laughs> How long are we going to keep doing that? Well, probably for the next several uh, episodes. At, at, le- at least for another <laughs> 20 minutes. All right, well, let's talk about Kandahar, which, uh, as the, my encyclopedia uh, tells me, it's in the Middle East. Uh, Parker, did you watch anything, oh, wait, buddy? I don't want to fucking talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp, <laughs> colon, Quantumania. One of the False. ugliest yeah. movies Please Park, talk. I've ever seen in my Parker, life. Parker, who's in it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, who isn't? It's a who's who of ugly CGI monsters. Hey, show of hands, guess who forgot Bill Murray was in it? Because I almost caused a scene at my friend's house. I was livid. Why would they do that to him? Perhaps I can be of some assistance. <laughs> Fucking killed me. Jesus I, I should remember because he was in one of those pro-images. He looks like an old woman. Correct. Now, you've seen the trailers because you've been to a theater, so you saw the trailer a hundred times. Remember how ugly just, like, everything in the quantum realm looks, right? right? Just, like, the muddy brown CGI. Yeah, Yeah, they entered the quantum realm at, like, minute ten. Oh, good. (laughs) Oh, God. So it's just two hours of this hideous nightmare. People, three people walking in a room, not touching anything, nothing happening to them. (laughs) talking about things and then weird floaty things talking to him you're like oh i bet i'm supposed to care about this guy later spoilers i don't it's two hours of the most boring who could possibly give a shit none of this matters i don't care i don't care i don't care none of us are having a good time we're all drinking we're just trying to finish the movie i don't care i don't care then it's over all to build to the next big villain who's not going to be played by the same guy because he beat his wife. So good job, everyone. <laughs> a plus. Oops. Phase five is off to a great start, gang. I didn't even know we moved to a new phase yet. Me neither. Thanks, Wikipedia. I thought we were still in phase two. I... You fucking wish. <laughs> well, back in the 50s. <laughs> 
I I mean that's was my letterbox review was literally just every ten minutes thinking like, fuck, I don't really care about this. And then as the movie progresses, something's supposed to win you over. But it was just a constant stream of, I don't fucking care about this. We were at the last either 10 or 15 minutes of the movie. Like, we're at the climax. And then one of us gets the ESPN alert because it was game six and there was a minute left. So we turned it to that and watched the end of that game. It was a real, like, a five-minute debate of, like, guys, we're almost... Just turn it back on. We were so (laughs) close to being done. Like... Feet were planted in the ground. I'm like, no, we know how this ends. Obviously, Ant Man's not gonna fucking die. We would have heard about it by now. Like, let's not finish. It's like, guys, my autism is gonna make me finish this. Do not make me go home and watch the last ten minutes of Ant Man three by myself. <laughs> and then I relented, and they were all mad at me. <sighs> uh, yeah, real bad. Uh, shocking. How uh, good? Really, really not good. It is. Uh, not surprising that the dude was supposed to write the next Avengers, and he already got fired. Eat shit, oh, poor, Pouring one out for our Yeti brother. Parker, how did the bad guy At look? least he'll always have Wes Anderson Spider-Man. <sighs> God damn. <laughs> this future episode. <laughs> uh, no, it's like everyone's favorite part of Ant-Man is like, oh, it's like a light-hearted romp. What if there's, like, less jokes and the ones that are in there are bad and it's deadly serious about the next big villain? Let's use Ant-Man to set up the next five years of movies. Good call. Well, Michael Douglas looks real serious about all this. I'm invested. Oh, it's a good thing we have Michael fucking Douglas in this comic book movie. I keep forgetting that he's not Thor's dad, but I'm like, oh yeah, it's Anthony Hopkins. It's the other old guy that shouldn't be here. Who politely died in movie three? He was politely like, yeah, that's, that's enough for me. He was in the first two, and then the first, <laughs> both the first two movies, he'd be like, guys, I gotta go to sleep. I can't be doing all this. Uh, my sons, you have to go fight. And then the first act of three, he's like, hey, boys, I'm dead. Good for him, honestly. Good for Anthony Hopkins. That's king shit. <laughs> and Avengers, what? Now nah, I'm gonna go fight Megatron Stone <laughs> with my robot butler. <laughs> Ugh. God damn! Two weeks away, boys. Time to put your money on this. <laughs> uh, no, that, it, it does in fact take two. Yeah, yeah. You thought it takes two it was real funny, right? Right before June was creeping up on you. Didn't you? <laughs> yeah, Ant Man Three is fucking. You know, it only uh, takes one and a half. Disney back Plus. in nineteen fifty-eight, it's really inflation that got us. <laughs> it only taken two. <laughs> I love that new uh, podcast music you have for us. Though. I like to sing about the moon and the June and the spring. That one you can find on Max. <laughs> if you'll excuse yeah. me, I gotta, go, I gotta go call Jimmy Carter a communist. <laughs> yeah, I don't surprisingly have a lot to say about Ant-Man 3, except that it's boring and then it sucks. <laughs> to the surprise of no one. And it's ugly to look at. It's a real... <laughs> Real three for three there. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons is fun. That's my entire review. It's a good time. Yeah. Glad I watched it. It's, I wish I saw it in the theater. I wish I gave it my money. It was entertaining from start to finish. Uh, Fat Dragon is a really good bit. It really got me. <laughs> <laughs> the big reveal of the titular dragon being too fat to fly is really good. <laughs> and a uh, big shout out to Chris Pine doing this instead of being stuck in Marvel Hell. All right. Hell yeah. He was stuck in DC hell, but uh, 
that shit ain't going right. anywhere. So yeah, I just get to watch him like star and things yeah. again. It's pretty exciting. So you... uh, good movie. I'll see like three more of these. All right, uh, we ready for uh, Kandahar? Is Our Kandahar boy Kandahar ready for Joe Kandahar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. No, All right, good. ladies yeah, and germs, we're taking a trip to Fuckheadistan. Oh, not another trip. <laughs> Hang on. All right, uh, we're going through the time. Does Afghanistan little... have pyramids? <laughs> what? The pyramid? Oh, I, I do have the pyramid. Uh... No, I just, I don't know if, like, you know, the, the Taliban blew them up when everybody was mad about the statues. Yeah. Did like... they? I don't know. You're the history major. I was what I'm asking, dude. All right, uh, we'll sell it. Parker. <laughs> I sure hope so. Yeah. Oh, you made a wrong turn in the pyramid. You stepped on an IED. <laughs> Man, big shout out to uh, my theater, which of course was the one theater showing it. Uh, you know, one screen the whole day. Uh, most of the theater was just full of uh, old guys by themselves. And a big shout out to them sitting down and realizing the first hour of this movie is just going to be a bunch of different Middle Eastern groups arguing <laughs> with each other. I'm sure they were fucking psyched about yeah, that. That's, that is kind of a yeah, left-hand turn for all the dads who came here. Uh, you know, I actually allow me to push back on this. Because you have to think about not what is being presented, but how it's being presented. Oh, I see, yeah. You know what dads love more than anything? explaining stupid arcane bullshit to their kids every dad is gonna walk out of this theater as an expert on the afghanistan conflict and tell all of their children about it at dinner this is actually more dad coded than you think no i i definitely picked up on some of that especially like the whole soliloquy that uh that gerard but sorry tom harris has in this tom Tom. Harris, Can- Joe Kandahar is his, his cover. Name. His cover's yeah, blown. Exactly. <laughs> his cover's blown. We have to call him Tom Kandahar <laughs> yeah. now. Uh, every the little thing that he says to the other guy, saying, "Man, you guys did so much for us, and we left you behind. We really beefed it." Uh, you can feel all the uh, all the old heads in the audience going, "Yeah, Biden really fucked us on that one." You know, <laughs> all we needed was twenty more yeah. years. Now this is a movie where I really don't feel the need to go scene by scene, but I. Just want to point out the at the very beginning of the movie when he's installing fast internet so he can watch streaming, uh, which by the way my company does. The the guards, the Middle Eastern guards that are watching him, they have hats with like the longest brims, <laughs> and they look like squeezy gyms, dude. <laughs> I kept thinking to myself, I want that hat. <laughs> Those are so much better than that big dude, hat I- meme. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad we focused on the long yes. hats because that's the first thing I wanted to talk about. I well. desperately want to get like a, one with like a New York Jets logo and make Josh wear it on stream whenever he does a tournament. And like he turns and like shake hands with the guy and like the brim hits him in the face. Yankee cap extended brim. I desperately need this. Alright, this is uh, directed by Rick Roman the same guy who did Angel Has Fallen. And uh, this is a great one because you <laughs> this is such a dad movie, you'd never even see his bitch ex-wife. <laughs> Dude, how many times has Gerard Butler gotten divorced on screen? That's a great this question. This is like 20, yeah, right? Every single time. 
Like at this point, you don't even need to include the the scene where he calls his wife about some custody yeah, thing. Like, in you the movie. Know. like we yeah. can just assume that he's exactly. divorced, recently divorced, or about to yeah. be divorced. It's really the yes. only. You love your daughter, but you can't be there for mm-hmm. her. Oh damn! You knocked that off the bingo. Card. See, that's the thing is like, the movie kind of threw me for a loop here. Remember how Plane had zero twists and it was just like, yeah, what you what you expect is what you're going to get. You're just like, huh, that's kind of weird. But you don't really mind it. Kanahar has this weird thing going on here where it feels like uh, it it doesn't start soon enough. It's not so much a pacing issue. It's just they give me more backstory than I was expecting. I thought that they would try to make it be somewhat vague and do the whole, like, John Carpenter. It doesn't matter how he got to where he is now. What matters is, you know, his escape from this area. But... They actually go into a bit of detail here, and I didn't mind. It's just uh, I haven't seen a movie that does something like this in a while. Besides, like I, don't know, I guess Marvel movies do that. Uh, I I really liked it, and not just because like I'm a dork that actually understands this stuff and this conflict, and like they did a pretty good job of representing it accurately. Um, I I also wasn't expecting that. I was expecting more shooting and explosions. Uh, just because, you know, it's a Gerard Butler movie directed by this fucking guy. But I think that the, all the lore stuff was, like, pretty fitting and, like, didn't really drag down either the runtime or the mm-hmm. pacing. Like, I, I, I kind of vibed with it a lot. See, I had a good time with this. Again, it, the action isn't really what you're going to go here for. Here's something that... I, usually when I talk about movies, I try to say something that no one else is, like, talking about. Be like, oh, here's something else. Because, like... What's the use of repeating? Well, good news—we're doing Kandahar. So well, that's the thing. Is yeah, exactly. Now I can just talk about anything. You know, Gerard Butler's in this movie. <laughs> so here's the real thing that I liked about this: I really like the camera work. I really like the way that it showed the deserts. I—it felt like John Ford esque. He said about Kandahar, <laughs> directed by Rick Roman. I, you're right. It though. really does look like, good. It, It's—it looks fantastic and movies that take place in this area of the world that have come out in the past 20 years or so never look good like literally none of them look good uh this looks great um and i i really really appreciated the way that they used like the desolate nature of the scenery to show you know just what this area is and also to let gerard butler tokyo drift in the dirt that was important there's so much drifting in this movie. Now, <laughs> it's an insane amount of drifting. Parker, you've been kind of quiet here. Are you thinking Durka, Durka, Durka in your head? I'll tell you exactly <laughs> what I was thinking for the entire runtime. Was every time he had to be like incognito and just like ever so gently lift his scarf slightly higher up on his head, I would just stare and go, Man, he looks a lot like Bane Marjorie. <laughs> It was he really does. Incredibly <laughs> distracting. We found him. This is where he ran to. <laughs> Boy, that man knows how yeah, to there run. There are. If you like shots of Gerard Butler driving a car, buddy, I got a movie oh, for yeah. you. Because he is scooting around the Middle East. And that is uh, approximately half the runtime, I yeah. believe. I will say that the movie's message is uh, it does seem like it's trying to say maybe we shouldn't have gone into Afghanistan in the first place. I understand that's a bit controversial to some people, but uh, I can basically sign on with that. You know, brave President Eisenhower back in 1958 would have done any such thing. 
Yeah, next year when he's elected, he will not do that. Right, go build some roads, dick. <laughs> I, uh, I, I feel like... I don't want to say this movie is messageless, because I, obviously no fucking movie is messageless, but I feel like I, you get way more of the message from, like, the stuff at the beginning of the movie where it's like times have changed it's not just a bunch of fucking goat farmers that are out there executing women in the streets it's like there are some of those guys but now there's all this other stuff and like i i think that that was like the thing that i would expect people to take away from this movie more so than uh joe kandahar and his friend got out at the end like you know what i mean like i, I feel like i i feel like it was in a lot of ways this was like a fucking vice documentary that was about something fake and uh, in a way that I think is probably beneficial to the to its audience. Yeah, I, th- I think there's definitely some value here. You know, I feel like if you were to put this on and actually pay attention, I gotta tell you, I was nodding off <laughs> during uh, the opening bits there because I just didn't really care. And that's when they what did they they like blew up a nuclear facility or something like that. And I, yes, that was like the only time you're ever going to see Gerard Butler like blow something up and look at it in confusion. <laughs> like ordinarily in his movies, he blows something up and, he, and he's not even like looking at it. He's just like expecting that to happen. This is just like, there's no way I shall know him for. <laughs> I also like that he keeps his accent. Man, it, I can't do what we 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 really need subtitles for Gerard yeah, Butler. Yeah. That's true. It's rough. Yeah, How was in a movie, you think, Nick? in a movie where basically everybody else is subtitled at least some of the time like come on just you can leave literally give me like the fucking celtic script next to it like you're doing for the uh the arabic uh when you're doing the oh, translation that'd be awesome it's a good bit if nothing else <laughs> it really yeah, was right? a really good bit oh that would be great uh i kind of feel like i this is this based on a book did anyone see uh, if this is based on a book because this feels like something that you would like pick up and read that in an airport or something I, I don't think so, but it definitely does have that energy. Not in a bad way. But also, Angela, Angela's Fallen kind of also has that exact same energy, so it was just how he writes yeah. everything. Well, in that case, Rick Roman, I really appreciate uh, your writing style. We need more of that kind of shit. Uh, it's like Tom Clancy, but less stupid. Right. Well, and that's like... <laughs> less pro-American. That's an extreme, extreme high compliment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's like Tom Tom Clancy's a fucking moron, and people read his stuff anyway because well, like was, what else are you gonna read in that genre? Wait, wait. Is he dead he, yet? Actually, no. In 1958, he's still alive. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> does he know how to write yet? He never learned. <laughs> I <laughs> have to go, go go kill baby Tom Clancy. In the I, I still have I still have to make it out. I've only read one Tom Clancy book, but it was the. Uh, Hunt for Red October. I couldn't get over like the communists were so happy to come to America because in America they have ET. Would you go back in time and kill baby Tom Clancy? Hundred percent. Here he knows I'm coming. That's why he turned out the way that he did. He's always looking over his shoulder. All right. So uh, the characters. I, uh, I. You know what? I really like the acting in this one. I thought the acting. Was, well, for most of the characters. Uh, I, I especially like the uh, <laughs> I <laughs> I shouldn't call him this, but I'm going to do it anyway. You already know who yeah, my favorite was, character what, is. What, get to... Arabic Shadow the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's a tie between him and the one white guy who's just still stationed. Is like, yeah, I'm Muslim yeah. now. 
<laughs> he has real Kenny Powers energy, but not in the way that yeah. you want for someone to have. <laughs> but not the like, good kind, like guns and power. <laughs> I do like that he he really did convert, and they weren't doing like something where it's like, yeah, I went undercover and pretending to believe in Allah, and he actually dies with like you know praying to Allah. Uh, that is not something that I expected to see in a movie, especially a movie of this ilk, for at least another ten years. Mm-hmm. So uh, good on them. This is one of those movies where... Sorry, I didn't mean to leave you hanging, but yeah, you're 100% yeah. right. <laughs> no, you're this is good. one of those movies where I pull up the cast list and I like to imagine Parker pronouncing half these names. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> Alright, well, uh, so this is Joe Kandahar. This is Mo Kandahar. <laughs> Komodo Mo Kandahar. Huh, this is Mo Problems. I don't know what that means. Najia Khan. <laughs> Well, we haven't pa- passed the law that says she can vote yet, so. Yeah, Shadow the Hedgehog is uh, he's a good character. <laughs> he is a good character. He just spends the entire movie trailing him on a bike and showing him, be like, has he been here? Damn. Yeah. <laughs> he just drives off. He's, he's really meant cool. to represent right. Afghan interests. Can I, can I talk about something about this movie which is very not good? Please do. The music. Oh, right. Dude, yeah, dude. Christ. Fucking, yeah. I forgot. Dude, oh my god. Dude, the music was fucking terrible. This is literally the worst music that I've heard that wasn't, like, in some way funny to me. It's just, like, it's just this... I don't even know how to describe it. It's like the fucking song that plays on the, the fucking office gym uh, uh, Jack Ryan commercials, except, like, B-sides on whatever that album is. Like, just songs that have never heard the light of day before, but sound vaguely like country and butt rock. It's just, it, it sucks Exactly, so they, they sound like the filler on the albums from the guys who make the music for all those uh, ED commercials, you know? It's like songs that Imagine Dragons would turn down. <laughs> I was hoping Parker was going to have one there, but like, I kind of like it, my room smells like piss! No. <laughs> <laughs> buddy, it keeps hitting <laughs> just, just, get, just get a fresh waft into your face <laughs> I need to wrap myself up Every time he's incognito When he's driving a car and sees someone And just like tugs his shirt collar up slightly over his chin He's like, they'll never recognize me now <laughs> It's so cool that they just let him talk like Shrek yeah. this movie. <laughs> Oh jeez I... Shrek is a movie my great grandkids will see <laughs> <laughs> Afghanistan has layers. <laughs> Joe Kandahar sure does. has we layers. We spent an hour talking about him. <sighs> you know, sometimes I'm you just need to go home. This. I will say, uh, at one point I had to pee, and it got to the part after the big night vision scene where they're sitting down, mm-hmm. and they're like, ah, so here's the name. Tell me about this person. I was stationed, and I just got up like, no, I'll be back. <laughs> and then I went and came back, and he was just talking about, and then my son, I was like, oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot something. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. We all friends. We all family. Yeah. Uh, they died. Got it. I'm going to go you. back to flush. This, this will bring you closer. I hope nothing bad happens. I hope you're not friends with the war yeah. criminal. Oh. Sure feel bad for those guys. <laughs> <laughs> he will never pal around with a Tajiki warlord. <laughs> oh, that Greek mayonnaise? Ew. Anyway. Friendship with Joe Kandahar is now over. Yeah. Now Tiki, what's my best friend? Can we, can we talk about the Iranian guy with the cool mustache? 
Oh yeah. Nah, no, we can't. I, I uh, yeah. I mean, there's not yeah. much to say, but uh, I like that this movie has like seven different bad guys, and you don't know which one's gonna last till the mm-hmm. end. Like, uh, uh, like it's. I'm not saying this is like a novel framing device for a movie like this, but like it kind of worked. It's like, oh, Shad- we we lost Shadow the Hedgehog, but now Mr. Mustache is here in his helicopter to shoot rockets at me. I, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 say, the whole night vision seems good, but the very first reveal where it cuts inside the car and he's just driving with those goggles on <laughs> is one of the hardest Dude, laughs I've I want it. Okay, time. here's my new fit. For the summer, all right, I'm gonna get one of those hats with like the brim that extends out a bunch, and I'm gonna get the night vision goggles, and I'm gonna see if I can put like the the goggles at the very end of the brim, so I can like look through with night vision and not night vision at the same time. Also, I like that they were riding along; like... it was like kind of a bumpy ride, and the goggles kept like flapping up and down. And I want to like look back and forth really fast in like a target, like it's like brightly lit, <laughs> just have them wobble around when people like talk to me. Night vision bifocals is an idea we're going to have to discuss in detail yes. off stream. <laughs> I'm <Yes>. listening. <laughs> Joking, of course. Uh, only other thing here in my notes is that spot during the climax when fake ISIS shows up and they hit that one truck with an RPG and the entire chassis of the truck flips over while the wheels and frame remain on the ground is one of the coolest shots I've ever yeah, seen Yeah, I like life. that quite a bit. I, I don't know how they did that, but it was fucking awesome. This movie awesome. feels like 15% I I, of a Mad Max movie. <laughs> I think I like this movie less than both of you guys, but they blew up a lot That's... of cars. And I, really oh, yeah. I will they say they, they waited a long time a to do that, but uh, I'm glad that they did. I also like that oh, the one guy said, fucking bomb all of them. They could just fire me. And then <laughs> he does. I like to imagine that whole room clapping like NASA launching a satellite. <laughs> the day is saved thanks to unsanctioned war crime in the Middle East. <laughs> thanks, America. Huh. I, uh, we'll never be back in Afghanistan. <laughs> Check out this one neat trick I got to get us back. Say, Daddy, oh, you went I to really... Afghanistan. <laughs> There's a looney tune about that. You took the wrong turn at Kandahar. <laughs> Look at I uh, I really appreciated when we get that that random jump back to the uh, the Iranians in the market where Shadow the Hedgehog blew up their SUV, and it's just like a bunch of Afghan Afghani people just yelling about how much the Iranians suck. Like <laughs> you guys kind of missed the plot here, but uh, <laughs> goodness gracious! Hey, you guys film. remember that reporter? Yeah, oh yeah, she gets released that at the end to just what? wander into the desert. Hope she's okay. Like, yeah, you're free to go. It's like, oh. Can I have right. a bottle of water in those... 85 minutes? <laughs> no. That, that character does not make sense in other movies, but it makes perfect sense in a dad movie because you see her making calls on these, you know, unsafe uh, cell phone lines and the guy's listening in and all the dads are like, deserved it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, you gotta be you gotta be careful with your information security, you know? <laughs> She was not clear as to have this intel. She doesn't deserve to see her daughter. Fucking whistleblowers. Goddamn commies. Well, well, that's a good way to end uh, 1958. We're ready for 1959. Uh, What should be our next episode? Some like it hot. (laughs) I I really wish somebody would invent the internet so we could look it up. right. I'm just really happy. That, I mean, we can do Sisu since we have a week until 
Well, yeah, why yeah, not? Let's, yeah, let's do Sisu. I was thinking a white guy why ninja not? movie, but uh. <laughs> okay, hang on. Let's let's not be let's no, not be rash okay. here. All right, we can. Do we have a white guy ninja movie? I think I saw one. Ninja. Do we? <laughs> Parker, if you have any. Because I, I found one called Justice Ninja Style that uh, seems interesting. Listening. All right, let me look this up here. All right, overview. Brad Tolan is a martial arts instructor who moves to DeSoto. Isn't that in Kansas? To open a karate school. It's, it's Spanish for DeSoto. Yeah, he moves to DeSoto to open a karate school. He is framed by Chief Deputy George and his partner, Officer Gray. I like how they just have a first name in here. Uh, for a murder he did not commit and is thrown in jail, uncertain if he will ever see a trial. They don't have trials in Kansas. With the help of a mysterious ninja, Brad escapes from jail and must he must evade capture while he tries to clear his name. When George forms a posse of angry townsfolk to take out the fugitive, there's a lot of spelling mistakes here. It is up to Brad and the ninja to topple George and expose corruption on the force. One hour, ten minutes. I mean, I'm not against it. I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't listening to any of that. I'll just let you guys pick. I think Cease is probably better because this. I'm looking at a screenshot right now. This looks like it was made for about four bucks. I mean, obviously, it's about white guy ninjas. I know, but this one in particular. (laughs) Let's do Sisu. Wait, let's see how long Sisu is. If Sisu's three hours... There's no way. I would have been informed. Uh, Sisu is 91 minutes? Oh my god, I'm in. We take those. That's value. Alright, this is a movie about Joe Sisu. (laughs) I feel like I would have liked Kandahar more. I just wanted it to be a movie about Big Nick and Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I received. That's fair. I That's not the movie right, at all. Yeah. But I know what I yeah. want. Okay. Also because I'm stupid and I'm like, I don't know, these guys all seem to hate each other. What's Big Nick yeah. up to? <laughs> Return to 2023. How, how much longer... How much longer do we have to wait for Den of Thieves 2? Honestly, I feel like I checked. 40 years, 30 years, <laughs> 20 years. Thank you. No, 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 that's not fair. <laughs> Next Thursday. Oh, no, it went too far. It's in the Ooh. past. <laughs> no, 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 keep going, keep going. I want to watch it. I want to watch it in the three. Please, get me there. That's the tea, sis.